0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 208 right now, and today's topic is Surviving El Chapo. So we're about to talk about it. We're about to recap and talk about episode 9, choosing Sides, and episode 10, Negotiating with the Fugitives. So, y'all know how we do over here. We about to break it down, dissect it, talk about it, talk about it. As always, if you need to get in touch with me, Facebook is Alicia Shanice. Instagram, Alicia Shanice Reviews. Or if you want to email me, Alicia Shanice Reviews, 13 at gmail.com. You can inbox, DM, or email me if you have any special recap requests. Or if you have any business or brand you would like for me to shout out or promote free of charge I always show love to people who show love to me I am a little bit behind on my own recap so you can send a recap request out um I'll get it out I promise if it's a quick TV show I'll get it right out if it's a little lengthier then it might take me a little longer I know I talked to a few people who had requests but I've been so busy and stressed out you guys know I haven't been on in about two weeks um but i'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get your request out for the ones who sent them. And um, I just thank you for your support and thank you for your patience because I'm telling you, your girl been uh, overwhelmed. I've, I've had a lot going on and I'm still working on my book. So, you know. Uh, but I've been busy today. I did get out my BMF, the docuseries. We finished that up today. I got out my Big Sky, the winter finale. I got that out today. Um, We're still behind on Hip Hop Homicides. I'll get that out by Wednesday. I really want to recap Dead to Me. Um, I've already watched it. It's really, really dope. I love that show. It's just like a dark comedy, but I love it. I grew up in in the 90s. So, you know, Married with Children, Christine Applegate, I love her. So, um, yeah, I do definitely want to recap Dead to Me. Um, but yeah, by the end of the month, I should be all caught up and then I'll get the people who did send me recap requests out for sure. Um, as always, you know about my music playlist, they're exclusively on Spotify. So if you click on uh, my picture profile, you type in Shanice Loves, uh, it'll take you to all of my music playlists, and I have every genre because your girl got some long range music ears and every way you can get in touch with me is in the description box so you know hit me up even if it's just to say what's up i will be wanting to hear from y'all so it don't have to be no re- recap request or anything to shout out it could just be saying what's up you have no idea how that brightens up my day so on that note we about to get into the show let's talk surviving El Chapo It's Shanice and she's the one. Her name is Shanice and she's the one. So let's talk about it. Episode nine, Shoes and Sides. The description reads, the Mexican Federales and the cartel face off in an attempt to save the twins from being turned over to U.S. Marshals. The brewing cartel war forces the twins to make some hard decisions. After watching a John Gotti documentary, Jay has an epiphany about how the twins could change their lives for the better. But first he has to convince his brother. And then we're going to do episode 10. I might as well read the uh, description. Uh, Pete and Viviana meet Jay and Val in their bathroom in an attempt to figure out a plan to turn their lives around. Before they can get a taste of freedom, they must convince their attorney and the U.S. government to work with them. So these was two fire-ass episodes. I, I do mean fire and very intriguing at that. My well, mommy, guys, let me put my phone on a charger. When I'm done, I'm going to play a sleeper as well. Just put it on silent so we're not getting disturbed. All right, cool. So episode nine, uh, we learned after the showdown at the Federal Station and the cartel saving the twins out of that intense situation, and I do mean intense, um, life went on. Life went on. Um, they were 25 at the time of this. Money was coming in continuously. And after all that chaos, Jay does get to thinking. Now one thing that I can say after listening to the twins in in their words, they sounded like before um, everything went down with, you know the whole taking Chapo down per se. They were honorable men. Not to say that they're not honorable anymore. Um, I don't, per se, I have my thoughts on being an informant um, snitching, not saying I agree with it at all, but I don't come too hard on people who inform because I'm not in that life, you know, so it's hard for me to speak on it with such passion when I'm not involved in that life and they say it's no honor among thieves and why I get so much into this genre of the gangster lifestyle with that being the cartels, the mafia, um, the the gangs. I, I talk about it all, right? And nine out of 10 of them, they go out this way. So I don't get all passionate and and just go off about people informing, not saying I agree with that at all. It's just, I'm not in that life. You know, I'm a civilian who loves to research this and I get intrigued by it. I love watching the movies. I love listening to the podcast about it. I love listening to the interviews about the gangster world with the drug dealing you know, just all of that, you know, um, back in the day, the racketeering, the uh, bootlegging. I, I, love the, I love to know about all of that. I enjoy it. And um, I've always been like that. Um, <clears throat> but before that, it seemed like they, and I'm just saying that because I'm not saying that they're not honorable men now, but it seemed like they were very honorable. Like they took care of the ones who took care of them. You know, like even when the guys came to help them out of this chaotic situation, Jay made sure that he, you know, looked out for them, looked out for them, told him his families was going to be straight. And even some of his workers, you know, when he went to try to save Pete during the first kidnapping, he was like, I don't want to do this without you guys. I need to make sure you guys are okay. Now, we just recapped the BMF series earlier, and we see Meech was very like that as well. Except Meech, he stood 10 toes down to this day. He never became an informant. But it does seem like they were very honorable men. They weren't per, um, portrayed to be in the, the gangsters, the killers. They just wasn't it for the business and making money. And a lot of times, those type of guys went far. Even when you talk about the mob, and you talk about Paul Castellano, the way he ran the Gambino family before he was murdered, he was all business. Um, even Big Meech, he was—he wasn't, you know, below. <laughs> you know, he wasn't above taking out somebody to protect his life, but at the same time. It was about the business, you know, and it seemed like that's what the Flores brothers was about. And this whole situation was just chaotic. And everybody knows, um, if you know anything about the cartels, you know, they don't give a fuck about going against law enforcement. It could be the military. They will go down in a gun battle. And they went down there knowing that the twins were two of their biggest distributors. And they went hard for them. They went extremely hard for them to get them out of that federal agent's office and back on the street um we hear on how they were able to escape they made the u.s marshals look like fools turning over two other guys that were not the twins didn't look like the twins didn't even look like they were twins they got them drunk of course and jay said that he would look out for them so it goes on to talk about how pete and viv were expecting um you know their first child and their relationship, along with Jay and Val, they talk a lot about their relationship and you know the upscales that they had to deal with, the down trails that they have to deal with throughout this whole thing. I mean, no, no matter if Val and Viv was down from the beginning, I could imagine some days it being so hard not knowing if. You know, you're laying in bed if they're going to come in and kill your husband or if they're just going to take him to prison and you'll never see see him again. And you're down there in Mexico with everything going on. It could take you in as well. And then what will happen to your children? So, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs in a relationship. But one thing, they remained loyal to each other. So alongside all of this, you know, life went on. Money kept coming in. But it made the brothers think because it was so much inside turmoil, You know, it was inner wars entangling with the cartels. You know, it was people breaking off from the Sinaloa cartel doing their own thing. It was just so much inner war and divide and division. So they had people in Colombia. They had people in the U.S. as well. They had their own connections, but it kind of was like pick a side. And picking a side, that could be the last side you pick even doing that, you know, because they were very powerful. We see all of the wars that take place now. It was a thing, and I can't think of the name of it, but with Sinaloa Cartel, with Chapo's son, it was something that they had going on with, um, if you guys are familiar with the Mexican cartel's language and their um, how they brand off and break off, Rafaquero Quintero, he's the one who started all of this along with Miguel Felix, you know, he just got took in custody in July of this year, but he was out there. He had been on a run for years. Um He did some time for a long time and got, I believe, in 2012, 2013, and he was wanted in the U.S. Um He got off of a kind of – oh, something – where they didn't try him right. So he was um, let go in Mexico, but he was still wanted in the U.S. But he was still out there doing his thing, allegedly. And they said it was a lot of turmoil with them. And, you know, Chapo came up under him. So it's always that inner war, them inner battles. And then you have their sons in there because Chapo's sons were involved. um, El Mayo's sons were involved. And then, you know, it's the the breaking off and starting their own cartels that bring war. And with the twins being over there, they had to pick a side. And then picking a side that could be his own deaf choice right there. Now, you know, it just went on talking about on how they end up getting out of custody, getting free, and how time went on. And it made both brothers think. But now where this episode got real interesting at was when Jay started watching a documentary of the Gotti family and them talking about Sammy the Bull. And that's where his inspiration came from to actually become an informant. Now, Sammy the Bull, he got five years, everybody knows that, for cooperating against John Gotti for 19 murders. And <clears throat> Jay got to thinking like, <laughs> who the fuck is John Gotti compared to El Chapo and El Mayo? And he has a point. Now, let me say this. I've always been into gangster topics, especially the five families, the mafia, but when I started looking into the cartels, especially Pablo, everybody knows about Pablo Escobar, but when you go deep and get to finding out so much stuff and you see that Pablo didn't give a fuck about going to war with his government and just how much, how far he would go. And then when you get into like Pablo's story is interesting by itself, but It's something about that Guadalajara cartel that's just different, you know, with Miguel Felix and Don Nito and Rafa Carro Quintero. It's just something, and and it goes so deep with the the murder of Kiki, like, and and how it just goes so deep with the CIA and the Contra War, how all that just comes together and how they're still reigning supreme supreme to this day. Like, okay, Pablo, he died in 93. And, you know, of course, Colombia is still doing their thing. But after that, Mexico took over and they never stopped and, and it, it just goes so deep. So when you get off into the history of the Guadalajara cartel and where they're at today, it do make you think like, damn, the mob ain't got shit on them. Because, you know, they talk about how like when, you know, back in the day, John them went to court. And, of course, they would bribe, uh, you know, jurors and everything. And then, you know, what one or two might end up missing. But Pablo, he'll go burn the whole damn courthouse down with a lot of So, you know, you just see, like, damn, they, they you know what I'm saying, they don't give a fuck. So he was right. Like, who was John Gotti? Like, you know, for what John Gotti did, his whole um mafioso career, chop on them did in one day. So... <clears throat> He contemplated on it for a few days before he even mentioned it. And then he finally presented the idea to Val first. And he was very nervous about that because Val hated snitches. So she heard him out and she was actually okay with the idea. He laid all the things out, how he might have to do time. However, when he mentioned it to his twin, he got the total opposite reaction because, you know, the twin is it's different that's your business partner that's your brother and not only that more than likely if you become an informant and if Pete wouldn't have agreed and Jay would have got caught per se they would have got Pete too just because he was his brother and they look just alike they they would have got him too so you have to kind of bring him in there into this idea and um you kind of would have thought while listening to this docu. Documented this podcast per se, you would have thought that it more would have been Pete who would have wanted to turn informant before Jay because Jay was always the one he always had the game plan and always thought about everything very cautiously. But by Pete had you know had multiple kidnappings and multiple traumas, you would have thought it was him who wanted out of the game first, but it was actually Jay and Pete went off. He like what the fuck are you talking to? You stupid mother... I mean, Pete went off to where they almost came to blows. And then it went off at the episode with like 10 days later with Pete calling like, so how will we do it? Like he had thought about it, you know, and seeing how deep they were in. So that was my recap for episode nine. And when we talk about episode 10, negotiating with fugitives, it opens with twin... Um, talking about being 10 years old and his dad taking him with them to knock on this guy's door of a guy who cooperated against him. And he was basically like, if, he's o- if he opens the door, I'm taking him out. Point blank, period. He ruined my life. Why shouldn't I ruin his? The messed up thing about it was you took your 10-year-old son and was going to traumatize him with this. Like, He just had to ask ask him, was he there? And if the guy would have came to the door, I'm sure the father would have blew his head off right when he opened the door. So that was the twins upbringing before they even chose the game. You know, they saw so much and it was like they were born into it. Now, after 10 days, Pete thought more about, about, you know, the whole cooperating thing and mentioned it to Viv, who was reluctant at first because he would have to do jail time he was like I might be gone for about 18 years and she like no that's a long time and you know after they kind of went over everything and thought about how everything was going on with the wars and just everything that they had been through being on the run how stressed it is you know raising kids that way Eventually, the four of the four of them, the twins and Val and Viv, they met in a bathroom and had to cut on showers, of course, for security purposes to make sure when nobody listening. And they all (laughs) discussed the plan of how they would get it done. Now, of course, they made Val be the one to have to go to uh, Chicago to speak with the attorney. And Val probably from listening to them and I'm talking about how everything went down. It seemed like she probably was the better choice. Like she was more street savvy more than Viv. It seemed like I could be wrong, but you know, Val was already married to Kato and he was a big guy, you know, in the, in the, in Chicago. And she had already did some time. It seemed like she was just a little bit more savvier. So she probably was the better choice to go and speak with the attorney. Of course she was nervous. Um, when she got to the attorney's office, as soon as she even mentioned what she was there for, he was so nervous he got to check in her for wires. <laughs> but he agreed to do what he could do and make some calls. So, you know, she flew back. And I was thinking while I was listening to it, I'm like, this had to be scary even thinking of doing this, becoming an informant on Chapo and Mayo and Toro while being in Mexico at the time. Like, I would have been scared to even even have a thought of it, you know, <laughs> how powerful that is because if they even got just the feeling that you even thought about it, they could wipe your whole family out with one call that lasted for two minutes. Like, literally, these guys were no joke. They're still no joke. So the lawyer got them on on the um, the lawyer got them on a plane on the phone. I'm sorry, and they got he got him on the phone. You know, of course he had to do a lot of calls and be very precautious as well. But he got him on the phone with the first agent that they dealt with, and his name was Sam Janelli. Now Jay met with the agent and went to uh, Radio Shack to start recording Chapo because they told him he's gonna have to have some recordings. He told him, you know, on the uh. He was like, we need recordings because at first they didn't take them. They didn't even take them serious. Like, Chapo, yeah, okay. you know, They didn't think that they were that high up, and they didn't take them serious. But the first recording he got was discussing a 400-kilo deal. And I was just like, damn, that's some dangerous shit. You over there recording him and all this. And it made me (laughs) – I listened to the rest of it this morning, and then I went to the gym after that. So I'm at the gym and then just after hearing all of this and it's sticking in my mind, just so intriguing because this goes like a movie, like you can visualize it, how they're explaining their story. Um, it made me put on Narcos when I was on a meal, <laughs> and I had put on Narcos and started watching that, which I, Narcos is one of my go-to shows whenever I'm stressed or just want to escape my world. I always watch Narcos, like it's my favorite. Um, Anyway, They had to meet um, eventually with the agents and they chose to meet at a neutral spot in Mexico. So they met with the feds and they demanded, you know, if we give him in, we have to know that my father, who was already a fugitive, was going to go free. He could go to the U.S. and and go free. My brother would be able to be free because, you know, my my whole family's life going to be in danger once we do this. And you know, he like we can give you chopper, we can give you mayo, but the feds only wanted chopper. They were not even trying to hear about nobody else. So, <clears throat> you know, it does a lot of discussions with the agents, and these kind of seem like some, you know, agents. I don't know. They they weren't the hungry type. Um, I have to to say one thing I noticed while listening, and I respect it about the twins is that. No matter what decision they made, they ran everything through their wives. And you can tell um, they love their wives very much to this day. Like, you can just hear the loyalty on the way they all speak of each other, how they're loyal to each other. (laughs) So they they decided it would be safer if, um, for the neutral ground, when they were going to meet the agents, that only one twin should go. Because if both twins go... They might put them in cuffs. They might kill them. You never know. So it was safer to take one and the other one stay behind. And it happened to be Pete first. And that was crazy to me because it was Jay's idea. And Pete's already been through so much with the kidnapping and shit. But it ended up being Pete. And when he went there, one of the agents he met with, he ended up being an agent that was following mainly Jay around the most, but they had been seeing him at the gym. So that whole time he was an agent, you know, and they had a funny, funny feeling about him, but he actually ended up being a real agent. So um, they only had hope that it would turn out for the best and it seemed like these agents weren't really like the hungry DEA agency, you know, you know how you have those ones who just they're going to get the job done, they, they that's their whole life goal to take down drug dealers, but these ones they kind of didn't even take them serious. They're like, "Oh, you can do this? Oh, really? Well, you know, hey, take this recording, go get some recordings and come back in a few weeks and we'll see what we can do." And it's just like them as DEA DEA agents, you really don't hear that too much cuz they just they want they they really about that action but these ones didn't seem like they were just so willing to help at first which was interesting but i know it's gonna be so much more in episode 11 that we learn this is just only the beginning maybe they didn't think that they were up high in ranks to even get recordings of chapo so <laughs> um They told them that they really didn't give a fuck about their family. But once they get the recordings, they'll go from there. And they really couldn't even do too much work with them because they were fugitives. And I just thought that was kind of bullshit because we've seen them do all type of stuff before. It just seemed like they weren't really interested. Of course, we know that they end up being very protected as the the story goes. But um, this is just the beginning. So, you know. And so they needed the recordings and Pete went and gave the information back to Jay. And with the agent's attitudes, it kind of had them second thinking it, but it's like, can't really change your mind now because you didn't put it out there. And even if, you know, you decide not to do it, would you dare just go back without no protection to Chapa when you've been talking to agents? So we'll see where it leads to in episode 11, but I really enjoyed these two episodes. I thought they were amazing. Um, I think this podcast is amazing. I hope you guys are enjoying my recaps. Y'all know I could talk about narco stuff all day, <laughs> but I do have a sleeper for you guys. And then let me get you out of here. So here is my sleeper. Just one moment. So I am gonna play this off of my Shanice Love the 90s playlist. Um, I've been in the nineties mood all day today. And as as I told y'all, I've been going through some things. <laughs> it's been I've been overwhelmed lately, guys. Oh, thank you so much for your support and i love you guys as well but i'm gonna play um the Dayton family they are from my hometown here is my sleeper in my show button style shout out to the pod father joey here is the Dayton family through a thing i'm going
1: through a thing to my knees begging please that my life would change my life, life has been good but still it wants me nothing is kind of stormed back in this dark canin' something cause blacks are killing blacks I got to hustle while I can don't depend on tomorrow why cause I'm idea that man I wake up in the morning that before I'm in my freeze my mind to get an 86 is cussing
0: y'all that's that dating family through a thing through a thing hope y'all enjoyed that i love y'all so much um i i i i love whom loves me for real don't forget you guys can always hit me up even if it's just to say what's up i promise you that would mean the world to me um real quick one thing uh we could recover the bmf docu-series earlier and just thinking about talking about the sinaloa cartel yes of course um we're not romanticizing it uh we're just discussing it but one thing about big Meech, what he put together was so profound. Nobody ever thought a man, him and his brother could put together an organization like they they thought blacks couldn't do that, unite. And of course, they had a few bad in there that did end up cooperating. But for the most part, they were not easy to take down. And when you think about Sinaloa, the way um you know speaking of Meech and how they look at our community like a like a nigga, you know. Um, when you think about Sinaloa, they look down on them and nobody would have ever thought Felix Miguel, who was the brains behind it, could bring a federation together with Horace, with Tijuana. The way he did, you know, they looked beneath them and he put together a dynasty and, and I'm not romanticizing saying it's right because I know it's been a dozen murders that took place with all of this and the drugs, we get it. Um But I'm just saying the brains behind putting an organization together like that, Um bringing people together under one wing, under one federation before it broke off. Um, I believe if the murder of Kiki Camerano never would have took place, he would have still been in charge, Um, very much in power. Um, That was like the effect of that crime. Um, And very sad, because when I think about that story, it, it breaks my heart what happened to that agent. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that was just like off topic. I just was thinking about that. I thought about it earlier when I was talking about Meech and I forgot to say it in the docu series, but what he put together, no it can't probably can't be done again. And it just shows you that, you know, if it wasn't drugs, you know, like they could have built their own Amazon, both of them, you know. But, um yeah, um that's an all for tonight I have. I hope you guys enjoyed the recap. I've been busy today. So I got that Big Sky out. I got that BMF out. Now we got Chapo out, Surviving No Chapo. And, um, I really want to recap Dead to me. So I'm going to try to get that out this week. If I don't, please don't be upset with me. I just got a lot going on. I'm all over the place. So pray for me. <laughs> um I, I'll get uh Hip Hop Homicides out this week. We got uh, a recap um soldier Slim, and i don't know who they did next i gotta look it up but you know i'm always able to be found you can hit me up facebook dm or uh you know dm off instagram or email it's your please be safe Please be safe out there, protect your energy, stay up. It's, depression is at an all-time high. And most of the times it's the ones who you think are so strong, like they have it all together. Those be the ones who need you the most. So if you have someone that you know who always appears to be strong, sometimes just reach out to them and ask them, are they okay? Um It's the strong, check on your strong friends because those are the ones who deal with inner battles by themselves. And sometimes when people reach out and saying hi, they may be calling for help. So just try to treat people kind the way you want to be treated. And don't forget to smile at somebody. Smiling at somebody, speaking to somebody, that could change their whole day. Um, But yeah, it's your girl Shanice and I'm out. Help you enjoyed the show with your girl Shanice. Oh, you don't message don't message do don't mess,